Galatians 6, 11 through 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Is it those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ? For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the word has been crucified to me and and to I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon me, on them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, brothers. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, Heath. Uh, before we're seated, uh, I do want to say a, a few things. Uh, one, and Heath will mention this on the back end. Uh, next week, uh, do not come here for a three o'clock gathering. We will not be here. Uh, we will be instead uh, meeting at Brighton Park at 11 a.m. next week for a barbecue. Uh, we do need you, please, 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 to RSVP on Realm. If you don't know what Realm is, uh, they'll tell you about it at the Connect table. We need you to RSVP on Realm so Heath and myself and all those who will be cooking know how many hamburgers to make for you and hot dogs to make for you. And so please, uh, RSVP on Realm for that uh, next weekend, next Sunday, uh, 11 a.m., Brighton Park. It's going to be fantastic. There'll be spike ball. Uh, there'll be other things. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Uh, so welcome uh, to join us next Sunday. Uh, the other thing is this, and we just saw a, a Mother's Day video, and it was very cute, and it was lovely. Uh, we do, though, want to take a moment and recognize that for many of us, uh, Mother's Day has with it uh, mixed uh, feelings, mixed uh, emotions. So I just want to highlight uh, a few of you who might be in this room this afternoon. Uh, I want to honor uh, a few of you, uh, those who gave birth this year to their first child, uh, but those who also maybe have lost a child this past year, uh, those who are battling it out with little ones every day, uh, also those who experienced loss through miscarriage this year, uh, those who experienced loss through failed adoptions this year, those dealing with the difficulties of, of infertility, those who are foster moms, mentor moms, uh, spiritual moms, a mother-in-law, those who have a warm and close relationship with your children. Also, we know there are some here that, who have uh, uh, disappointment, heartache, uh, and distance with your children. Uh, there are some here this afternoon who have lost their mothers, uh, those who have experienced abuse at the hands of your mother, uh, those who have lived through the overall testing of motherhood, uh, those who have aborted children, those who have place children up for adoption. There are those who are single here this afternoon who long to be married and mothering your own children. Uh, Those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year. And still there are those who are pregnant with new life even right now. I want to take some time right now before we pray to tell you that we love you, how we honor you, and we bless you. Would you join with me as we pray? Jesus, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would, by your Spirit, speak to us as we open your Word. Uh, Knowing, Lord, that without your Spirit uh, forming and leading and guiding our community, uh, forming and leading and guiding these very words, uh, Father, that we are doing a a, a futile thing. Lord, would you, by your Spirit, speak to us this afternoon, we pray. 
Amen. Well, good afternoon. <laughs> I think I heard Courtney on that one. Thanks, Courtney. No, she's like, it wasn't me. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Jake. Along with Heath, I'm part of the team. It's good to be with you. Uh, today is actually our last day in the Galatians series. As I said, next week we're not gathering. It's a very this heavy gathering, and so I might be looking here, but also looking here as well too, so that's weird. Uh, Today's our last day in Galatians. Next week we're not gathering. And then the week after that, we're actually taking uh, five weeks, five weeks to look at how the gospel uh, intersects, thanks Mike, uh, with certain topics. So we're looking at the gospel and hospitality, uh, the gospel and creation care, uh, the gospel and technology or something like that, uh, the gospel and work. And then finally, we'll be looking at the gospel and, and, and deacons and the role of deacons uh, in the church and Lord willing I think maybe, maybe not, installing some deacons. We're still figuring that out uh, as of right now. I know they definitely are in South Vancouver. Uh, likely not uh, here in East Vancouver. So that's where we're going over the next few weeks, just so you know. And then after that, throughout the summer, we're headed into Proverbs uh, for the whole summer. And that's going to be a good time in there as well. Well, like I said, today's our last day uh, in Galatians. A series we began 27 weeks ago. Can you, can you believe that? 27 weeks ago with an introduction, and are ending today with a goodbye, a, a farewell. Now, I don't know uh, if, you've, if you've had to say many final words or parting words in your life. Uh, perhaps you've dropped a child off at university or at school for the first time. I know this is coming up for us in the upcoming year, and we'll have to say final words to our oldest before he goes into the scary world of kindergarten. And it will be heartbreaking, and my wife will cry. I will not cry. Uh, my wife will cry. So, some of you, m- more seriously, have had to say uh, final words to those that you loved as they were on a deathbed uh, dying. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, he, he has uh, a mom, and, and his mom had been ill for a few months. Uh, and uh, just a few weeks ago, it looked like his mom was coming uh, to her end. His mom didn't know Jesus. This friend of mine is a pastor. Uh, and he wondered to himself, what are the final words that I want to speak to my mom? What are the things I want to say to my mom before she dies? And he spoke to her the words of John 11. And in John 11, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet will live again. Then he asked his mom in these final words, do you believe this? And on the same morning that his mom accepted Jesus, she also died. Final words are important, aren't they? Like the last thing we want somebody to hear, to to come out of our mouth, to be reminded of. We want to plead with them, beg them, impress a truth upon them. Final words matter. It was true of final words in Paul's day, and it's true of final words in our day. You can imagine that the Galatian church has been gathered around for 27 weeks now. They've just been gathered around. That's just a joke. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't work this morning either. I should have dropped that. <laughs> For 27 weeks, they've been gathered around. That's a joke. Uh, they've been gathered around, and they've been, they've been listening uh, to uh, a letter from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul has been writing to them. And now they get to this final section of this letter, and Paul grabs the pen from his scribe. And he says, listen, I'm going to write something myself. And they all peer to see Paul's very own handwriting. What could be so important what would Paul want to highlight that's just so, so necessary that he would grab the pen from the scribe and write it himself? What are the oh-so-important final words that Paul wants to bring to the Galatian church? 
And what are the oh-so-important final words that Paul wants to bring to us today? What's his parting challenge? We could summarize it like this. Paul says, Will you choose faith or works? Will you choose the cross or comfort? Will you choose the true religion of God or the natural religion of man? See, according to the internet, which is an ever-reliable source, According to the internet, there are over 4,300 distinctly recognized religions in the world. But as we look at our text today, Paul says that actually when it comes to how humanity relates to God, there are only two options. Only two ways. Paul says we either trust in a religious system of our own making a system that emphasizes our work and our earning, or by faith we trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. We trust in his work and his earning. Paul wants to say with his final words to this church, be careful to walk on the path of faith. Be careful to walk on the path of faith. And to help them do this and to help us do this, he leaves us with with three trail signs. Now, I don't know if you're a hiker. I'm no longer a hiker. I'm no longer in that category anymore. But you know if you hike. I saw Nicole was hiking yesterday. She's very embarrassed right now. I know if you hike, uh, then there are trail signs that you have to follow to make sure you're on the right path. So too is it with the Christian life. Paul leaves us with, with three trail signs. What are they? Great question. I'm glad you asked it. Trail sign number one this afternoon. The path of faith looks internally. The path of man-centered religion, on the other hand, only looks and is only cared about the external. That's trail sign number one. Trail sign number two. The path of faith looks to the cross. The path of of man-centered religion looks only and primarily to comfort. Trail sign number three. The path of faith leads to life. The path of man-centered religion leads to the curse, which leads to death. Three trail signs that we're going to look at this afternoon. Trail sign number one, the path of faith looks internally. You with me, Christ City, East Vancouver? This is, this is going to be hard. Galatians 6.15, look with me in your Bibles. It's like you all had a big Mother's Day brunch or something and you're tired. Galatians 6.15, Paul writes this. Let's start there. Paul says, and we read, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. For for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Here at the end of the letter, Paul essentially is summarizing Galatians, all of Galatians, in one verse. In one verse. First he says, circumcision does not count for anything. When it comes to right standing before God, circumcision does not count for anything. He's just saying what he's already said to us. Galatians 5, verse 16. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The circumcision party, these, these Judaizers, Paul's rivals, whatever you want to call them, were emphasizing the need for Gentile, non Jewish. Christians to be circumcised in order to be truly justified, truly accepted before God. And Paul has made it clear right from the very beginning that to believe somehow, even today, that to believe somehow that we contribute to our standing, our salvation, is actually not to believe the good news, but what he calls a not good news. 
a no gospel at all. Do you remember many moons ago, we were in Galatians 1. It seems like, well, 27 weeks ago. Many moons ago, we were in Galatians 1, verses 6 to 7. And Paul began his letter. He started his letter like this, because he doesn't care. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. The distortion was that Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus Torah observance equals right standing with God. And I'll say it again, and I'll say it again unapologetically. We've been saying it for 27 weeks now, and you have to hear it again afresh. Jesus plus anything, anything, if we try to add to our salvation, our works, our earning, our doing, Paul says is nothing. Jesus plus anything, hear it afresh this afternoon, equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now, lest we let ourselves off the hook too quickly and think really logically, well, I'm actually not tempted to get circumcised to be right with God, uh, so this doesn't apply to me. Or or, or you think, I'm not tempted to, to eat kosher to be right with God, so this doesn't apply to me. Paul continues in our text today. He anticipated that you were going to say that. Uh, he continues in our text today, just as he did in chapter 5, to say this. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. It might not be dietary laws. It might not be circumcision. In fact, it's probably not, judging by the crowd today, it's probably not circumcision. But maybe it's uncircumcision. In other words, there is something that you do and I do and we do. There is something that we do that we believe that's on the basis of that. Because I do this thing and this thing particularly well that I am made right with God. And we all have that. If I'm a good dad, I'll be made right with God. If I'm a better pastor, I'll be made right with God. A better worker, I'll be made right with God. Do more charitable, charitable work, I'll be made right with God. And to that temptation that we all feel, that we all know, Paul speaks clearly. What matters, what counts when it comes to friendship with God, when it comes to our salvation, is that Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, he says, has made you a new creation. A new creation. When Paul said in Galatians 3.28 that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that all those in Jesus are one homogenous blob. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that our distinctive ethnicities and gender and socioeconomic positions don't matter. Unity does not equal uniformity. He is saying, however, and we saw this, that we have all been given a new primary identifier as those in Jesus. If you're in Jesus, you have a new primary identifier. When someone asks about you, you have something new to lead with. I am in Christ. So Paul can say that there are men in Christ and and women in Christ and Jews in Christ and Greeks in Christ and poor in Christ and rich in Christ. It's not that if we've been brought up to the standard of the Jews. He's not saying you've been brought into this thing that already existed. It's that all of us, 
together by the work of Jesus have been brought into something new. We are new creation. So Paul can conclude here at the end of this letter, friends, you are a new creation because you are a new group of people. How? How are you new? How, how are you different? You've been filled with the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. We are a spirit people. Not a law people, a spirit people. The trail sign that you are on the path of faith this afternoon is inward renewal. It's inward renewal. A, a friend of mine reminded me this week, we have a gospel that changes us, that transforms us. Not outside in, but inside out. That changes how we view ourselves, how we view God, how we view the world. Now, I'm not saying that all this change happens at once and in dramatic ways and in perfect ways, because the reality is we are a new creation that points forward to a day when all will be new creation, when the totality of the earth and and the heavens will be new creation. We look ahead to that day. But I am saying that we should today be growing more and more into the likeness of Christ. Why? Not because we do better, try harder. But Paul will say in Galatians 3, you have the Spirit. And having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you now being perfected by your own doing, your own striving, your own working? No. If you're a Christian, you should be changing. You should be being transformed. We should be right now by the Spirit, growing and thinking His thoughts, feeling His heart. Showing his compassion, loving what he loves. Christ City, East Vancouver, do you believe that we have a gospel that changes us? Or, or do you just want to stay the same? You want a little bit of Jesus, not, not, not a transformative amount, but like a, like, like, a, like a therapeutic amount. Like you have this one particular problem. If Jesus could deal with that, that'd be great. But I don't want to be changed. Oh, sounds uncomfortable. What we're being asked to consider in their text today is whether or not we understand ourselves and God and our world from this place of being a new creation. Because later Paul will say, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. When Paul says he's been crucified to the world, he is saying that he is no longer captive to the worldly way of doing things. One with Jesus, Paul is no longer a prisoner of the game of self-promotion. He's he's not part of that game anymore, which is exactly what Paul's rivals are guilty of. See, if the first trail sign that you're on the path of faith is an emphasis on internal renewal or inward renewal, the sign that you might be on a different path, a a, a man-made path, a a path of religiosity, is, is a focus Uh, on external behavior, external doing. Notice, look, look at verse 12 and verse 13 with me. Paul says this, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. Now skip down to verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Why do these false teachers want the Gentiles to be circumcised? On one hand, it's really simple. They can report back to Jerusalem. Look how many foreskins we've got. It's an easy metric, right? 
Like, like, like is, 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 the, is the church growing? I don't know. We got like 100 foreskins over here. Right? It's a weird flex, but okay. That's what they're doing. It, it's an easy metric. Look, we, we have the, the proof. It, it's right here. The phrase in verse 12, to make a good showing in the flesh, is all about putting on a face, putting on a presentation, presenting as a person or a group of people who are religious and spiritual and accomplished. And Paul detects this desire to be perceived as religious as one of the motives that is driving these false teachers. Now, will inward renewal result in acts of love? Yes. And if you think I'm saying otherwise, you have not listened to the past few weeks of sermons. Of course. Will this result in acts of love? Will it result, as Paul says in Galatians 5, in faith, working itself out or expressing itself in love? Absolutely. But the false teachers are concerned only and solely and entirely with the external. Only with making a good showing in the flesh. Only with outward appearances. And a Christian anthropology, a Christian view of the person, won't allow for that. A biblical view of the person says that we need deep interior renewal. And don't we feel that? Like what we really need, what we really truly desire, if we're alone by ourselves for a moment, is not that we need a new coat of paint or window dressing but we in fact need deep interior renewal. We need to learn how to view God differently, how to view ourselves differently, how to view others differently. We need a complete tear down and reconstruction. And that's the message of the gospel. We need a new creation. A new creation we'll find made possible by the cross of Christ. That's the first trail sign. The second trail sign that we must see today is that the path of faith looks to the cross, whereas the path of man-centered religion looks only and solely and is concerned primarily with comfort. You'll notice that in verse 12, Paul gives a second motive, a second motive for the false teachers wanting the Gentiles to be circumcised. And he says this, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. Now listen. And only, only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is really, really, really offensive. Preaching the cross of Christ is is super offensive. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to try to offend you right now. The cross of Christ says you're not smart enough. We're an educated city, right? A lot of PhDs, master's degrees, we're, we're well-read people, have subscriptions to fancy magazines, latest books. We're, we're an educated people, right? The crucifixion of Jesus in our place and for our sins tells us that we can never earn enough degrees to be right before God. That we can't think our way to the holy that we can't philosophize our way to the divine. The cross of Christ says you're not moral enough. That you're volunteering at the shelter on the downtown east side, at the local food pantry, on its own, by itself, is not enough to make you right with God. 
The crucifixion of Jesus in our place for our sins tells us we need someone else's moral record. We need someone else's good deeds to be counted to us. That we can't do good, be positive our way to the good shepherd. The cross says you're not fit enough. You're not healthy enough. I was preaching in Kitsilano this morning and I felt that they really felt that pang there. (laughs) You can't drink enough green smoothies. You can't go to enough CrossFit classes. You will still die and rot apart from the work of Jesus on the cross. The crucifixion of Jesus in our place and for our sins tells us that we can never be strong enough to cheat death. That we need the one who is strong enough to take the sins of the whole world upon his shoulders. To receive the eternal life that he's come to bring. I'm I'm not done if you're wondering. The cross says you're not spiritual enough. That all of your deep cosmic insight that you stumble upon while you're on your latest acid trip is actually gobbledygook. Is nothing. It, It is toddler babbling more akin to the hollow advice of a tabloid magazine than anything sage that might proceed from a wise guru. The crucifixion of Jesus in our place for our sins tells us that in the infinitely wise plan of God, a plan deemed foolishness by men, he has sent his son, he has sent his very wisdom to do what we never even thought of doing, to do what we never even thought we needed, One commentator summarizes, nothing in history or in the universe cuts us down to size like the cross. You don't need to wonder why the false teachers were hesitant to preach the cross. We don't need to speculate or or, or guess. We we, we get it. We, We feel it. Their whole system depended on people demonstrating external religiosity. And Paul's saying, it's not enough. It's not enough. What matters, what counts, is that we are a new creation. And I can't do that. And you can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. What happens next is that the world responds to our new creation presence in one of two ways. Another author, Trevin Wax, he wrote this, and I think it applies here. When Christians are correctly acting as the foretaste of new creation in our world, we are met with both welcome and resistance. For some, our presence is a balm on an open wound. Our lives serve as a sweet foretaste of heaven on earth. For others, our presence is an irritating agent. They see our lives more as an aftertaste a stench rather than a pleasing aroma. Unlike these false teachers who love comfort, and perhaps like us who love comfort, Paul has personally experienced what it means to be seen as an irritating agent, to be thought of as an unpleasant aftertaste. In verse 17, as he's saying goodbye, what does Paul say? From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul has already 
and will even more, after writing Galatians, he will even more, more than he even knows at the time of penning this letter, he will suffer for the gospel. Read Acts. Read his letter to the church in Corinth. Paul's physical body and the scars thereon tell the story, tell the world of what path he is on. The path of faith is shaped by the cross, which means a lot of pain and a lot of death. And I can't help but think today of the uniqueness of our predicament. Air-conditioned room, came in, no one stopped you, you were greeted. Someone said, hello, you had a cup of coffee out there that Jen made for you. It was lovely. Is it true that at times and in our own ways, Christians in our city experience some sort of opposition in their faith in Jesus? Absolutely. Undoubtedly. I don't want to downplay uh, the very real opposition some of you have and continue to experience. Rather, my hope today is that we would see that as we preach the cross, the message that Stott says cuts us down to size, that we would not be surprised when we receive the cross in return. And some of us are shocked by that. That we would not be surprised when people don't like us or celebrate us or embrace us. We all know the message we could preach, that I could preach and you could preach if we wanted people to like us, right? It's really, really easy. We could pack this place out, affirm all things at all times for all people. It's really easy. And sometimes, if I'm honest, I would like to preach that message. But that's not the message we've been given. It's not. Paul writes, But far be it for me to boast, except, except in this one thing, this one thing where I can hang my hat, this one thing I can brag on, this one thing I can make my life about, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Not only is the message of the cross the only message we've been given, it is also, we'll find out, the only message that saves. Trail sign number three. Trail sign number three that we're on the path of faith is that the path of faith leads to life, whereas the path of man-centered religion leads to the curse, leads to death. In verse 16, Paul is saying goodbye, and he writes this. Look at your Bibles with me. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And Paul writes, all who walk by this this rule. This word rule here in the Greek is this word canon. And it's the same word we use to describe uh, the whole canon of Scripture. It means rule or bar or, or measure. As Christians, we measure our lives by the 66 books in the canon of Scripture. Rule or bar or measure. That's what this word rule means. But, but Paul here isn't talking about the canon or the rule of Scripture. He's talking about a different rule. And the rule is this. That by the work of Jesus on the cross, we've been made into new creations. So therefore, in light of this, here's the rule. We are to walk then according to the rule of new creation people. 
according to the rule of being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, sowing to the Spirit, not to the rule of the law anymore, but a new rule, a new bar, a a new measuring point. And Paul says, if we are to walk by this rule, if we do this, peace and mercy will be upon us. Us, he says, the Israel of God. Now, as an aside here, I want us to just think of the whole letter for a second. What is the consistent tone throughout the whole letter to the Galatian church? Urgent pleading. Paul did not begin his letter with, how are you doing? And, and so-and-so sends their greetings, and here's you know, a nice little grace and peace blessing, as was customary. He didn't begin that way. Notice, he does not end that way. Paul says to the Galatian church, listen, here's the rule. Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. If you do this, then peace and mercy will be upon you. But if you don't do this, if you don't do this, it's a curse. It's death. I I want us to leave this series with how Paul leaves us in this series. He puts the ball in our court. We've talked for 27 weeks about the freedom of the gospel because it's very, 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 very important. And what will we do? How will we respond? Will we continue to be enslaved, as Paul says in Galatians 3, to to old principalities and powers, old ways of thinking about things, old ways of dividing ourselves? Or will we be a new community filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, expressing the gifts of the Spirit, loving one another and serving one another, both inside and outside the church in the Spirit. The ball's in our court. Indeed, if we walk by faith, this will prove that we are the Israel of God. Again, the idea here is not that we're all being made Jewish, but Paul is saying that walking by faith in Jesus is this sign that we're part of this new community that God is bringing together. Again, how? By his spirit. God's Israel, God's people, are not those who focus on the external, are not those who look to comfort, and are not those who will find their end in eternal death. Because in in verse 13 of Galatians 6, Paul wrote this, and maybe you missed it, and maybe you just read it in passing and give it a second thought, but Paul wrote this. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. In other words, the rule that these Judaizers made for themselves, even they can't keep it. The path that they paved for themselves, even they can't walk on it. And Paul will say in Galatians 5.3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. And we saw this. We can't keep the whole law. The path we pay for ourselves is not one that we can walk on ourselves. It's a path that inevitably leads to death. So there you have it. 27 weeks of walking through Galatians. Trying to understand its context. Working to understand what it means today. Working harder even to apply it to our lives. And it really, it all comes down to this. If for 27 weeks you've been kind of spaced out, listen for one minute. Will you walk by faith in Jesus or will you fall prey to a religion of your own devising? Christ City, East Vancouver. Will you walk by faith in Jesus 
Or will you fall prey to a religion of your own devising? Will you trust that before the Lord wants your money and your time and your family and your job, that he first wants your heart? So many of us have lived for so long wondering what we should do for God. Mistakenly believing that our doing is the condition by which we are accepted, by which we have value in Jesus' kingdom. Christ said, walk in the freedom the gospel brings. Through his death and by his spirit, Jesus has made you a new creation. Jesus has made you and your actions and the things you do a foretaste, a nibble of the day when all will be new creation, when all will be made new. Will you choose by faith to boast in the cross alone? The old way of boasting Boasting in our ethnicity, our gender, our money, our stuff, whatever it is, you name it, is done. And boasting in anything other than the cross is inconsistent with being a new creation. And and so the application here is simple. Stop it. Stop it. We have a gospel that changes us. Will you trust today that the path to life, to peace and mercy— isn't padded with the comforts of this world, but feels more often like crucifixion, feels more often like death. I have no doubt today, because I know my own heart, and I know many of you, that the Lord is calling some of us to repent of seeking our kingdom, sorry, rather our comfort above his kingdom. Our stuff, our well-being, our nice things above his kingdom of choosing comfort over the cross. In just a moment, I'm going to ask that you stand with me as we respond. But I think this afternoon is a good time to to soberly reflect. Am I walking on the path of faith? Do the trail signs point to me walking by faith in Jesus, or have I veered off course? Today is a good day to get back on that path. Would you stand with me as we respond? Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.